Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 21 The Return Are you afraid of spiders? I feel like it's one of the fashionable phobias to have. Heights, spiders and flying. Everyone has at least one, don't they? I don't mind heights. It's the fallen aft them that bothers me. Flying isn't fun, but it beats hours in a car or on public transport across long distances. As for spiders... It's the ones with the disproportionately long legs that raise the hairs on my arms. The way they put a leg out at a time, as if feeling their way along the wall, slowly crawling from one corner to the next. Didn't even get me started on their acrobatic performances hanging from the ceiling, always in front of your face, or right on top of your head. Almost like their wee pals dared them to go as close to the human as possible. I usually leave the wee ones. You can barely see them anyway. But if it's any bigger than a nail, I usually find something to kill it. Some of my flatmates think it's cruel. They should be let outside. My granny always used to say there were two kinds of spiders. Hoose and outdoor. Neither could survive in the climate of the other. Putting indoor spiders out of the windy was the same as killing them. It just prolonged the process. Naughty mention, the wee bastards might try and find a way back inside. Better to put them out their misery. Do you know, I've never seen a spider in the shop. I never thought it was strange. Never thought about it at all. You'd expect something in a place like that. A spider web in the corner, or pulled like a tightrope between two pieces of furniture, waiting for you to walk face first into it. Yet, I've never seen the silky thread glistening in the sunlight. Never seen an eight-legged creature moving over its web to catch the poor fly that's been caught. I'd never given it a second thought until I saw one skittering across the door of a wardrobe. At first, I thought it was just a mark in the wood. The grain or whorls that ran like watermarks from one side of the door to the other. Then it began to move, to crawl slowly across the polished surface. But wait a wee minute. I feel as though I'm forgetting something. Forgetting to mention something. When's the last time I recorded? Oh, I have missed something. Madame Honora. We were in that derelict house. It feels like that happened so long ago now, and so much has happened since. Let's catch up. Madame Honora cornered me in the house, offering me a way out of my apprenticeship. All she wanted in return was a wee bit of my life. A few decades or so, perhaps. She never named the price at the time, but more fool her. If she had, it might assuade me. 
Anora wasn't letting me go until I gave her an answer. To take the deal or refuse. Looking back, I'm pretty sure she would have killed me. Or at least trapped me in some Helheim dimension where I couldn't escape. If I'd refused. I had the sense to realise, at the time, that refusing her deal wasn't going to turn out well for me. I started to think, at the time, to become curious. There were many things she wouldn't answer, but perhaps I could turn that to my advantage. I couldn't stop thinking of the why. Why did it matter to her that Madame Norna had an apprentice? Was my existence such an irritation that she'd offer me a deal just to get rid of me? There had to be a reason. Something I wasn't or couldn't see. I gambled and asked. What was in this deal for her? A shadow, a irritation. As though she were dealing with a brat in the shop having a tantrum. Moulded her features for a brief second before she smothered the feeling. She wasn't used to being questioned. I've thought about her next expression so many times I'm beginning to feel I imagined it. I swear she was about to tell me, like a villain revealing their master plan. A flash, a triumph, a arrogance, like I was the last piece in her puzzle. Then it vanished, her face a mask of nonchalance. She refused to answer my question. Stalemate. I took another gamble. One that makes me sweat even now. I gave Madame Honora a taste of her own medicine. I offered her a deal. When she answered my question truthfully, then I would truthfully give her an answer about her deal. It's tempting to make it seem as though I knew what I was doing, like I knew this would work. I didn't. No, entirely. I knew that Madame Norna couldn't force people to make deals with her, but I wasn't sure if that rule applied to Anora. But confidence is half the battle. So I walked towards the door like I knew I was right. And she didn't stop me. I've thought about that deal a lot since. What I would have done if Anora hadn't been bluffing. Or what I'm going to say to her if she appears and answers my question. Tells me her evil plan. There are many times when I didn't like being an apprentice. The thought of becoming the madam one day makes me feel nauseous. The thought of living a longer life than any person should. Of watching as the world leaves me behind as everyone I've ever known or cared about passes on, whilst I'm stuck at the beck and collie forces beyond my control. Giving up my name, giving up my life, I still don't know if I'm willing to do it. But what's the alternative? I'd like to believe Anora could have given me all the things she showed me, but it sounded too good to be true at the time. And I've just become more convinced. Nothing, if it has to do with fate or the shop or the madams, ever neatly works out happily for everyone. There's no easy way out of this for me. Besides, I'm Scottish.
I'll probably only live until I'm 40 anyway. And if I know I wanted half of my life, then I'd be dead as soon as I'd made the deal. Let's just hope she doesn't come back and answer my question. Speaking of things that do come back, let's talk about that spider. There was nothing special about it. Nothing distinctive. It was dark. A dark brown or black. It had eight long, thick legs and a body that looked like it would make a mess if I squashed it on the wardrobe door. It was minding its own business. But it was also in the shop, and I liked that the only cleaning I really had to do was the floor. I didn't fancy having to clean up spider webs as well. I didn't really know why I had the urge to get rid of it. I just couldn't stand the sight of it crawling over the furniture and clothes leaving its glistening web behind it. I also wasn't really in a great mood that day. Finn was gone, Kronos was up the stairs with a madam, and the bell above the door hadn't rung all day. The shop was empty. Bad empty. And whenever the shop became silent, my mind started to reminisce about the times when it wasn't. When the two roasters would bicker and squabble, and I would complain, no realising that I preferred that to the stillness. It felt like an age ago that I'd told Reed to leave, but it could only have been, what, a fortnight? The looking up at every ringy the bell had passed in the first week, the hope that he'd come marching in, dour-faced and angry, being dashed every time it was a curious customer. I know it's Faye's own good. I know that. But why does it no make me feel any better? I killed the spider. I waited until it had scuttled across the wardrobe, following it from shelf to rail to wall, before I swept it onto the floor and crushed it beneath my feet. I picked up the shriveled corpse with a tissue and threw it in the bin. Having to face the silence once more we very little to occupy my mind. The next day, there were a few customers. One even bought something, and whilst I was putting the order through, they told me there was a large spider on one of the bookshelves. What were the odds of that? Almost a year without seeing a single spider, and there were two on consecutive days. There was probably a bloody clan of them, and I'd killed the breadwinner, forcing the others to go and fend for themselves. After the customer had left, and to fend off the heavy silence and heavier memories, I went in search of the second spider. It wasn't hard to find. It had crawled halfway down the bookshelf by the time I arrived. It looked exactly like the one for the day before to the bulbous body and furry legs. It stopped when I came near, as though hoping I hadn't seen it. I killed this one too. I then spent the next few hours searching for places where spiders often hide. Small holes in skirting boards, high corners where no one can reach, hollow spaces under chairs and between boxes. But there was nothing. 
I still hadn't even seen the glint of a spiderweb. This pattern continued for days. Every time I was in the shop, I'd either see the wee shite myself, or a customer would tell me where it was. Every time, I killed it, either with my shoe or something else. If I spent as long as an hour in the shop without seeing one, I went in search of it. I just couldn't let it lie. Didn't like the thought of it just crawling over everything. I even started to think it was the same spider. It was the messiah of spiders, resurrecting itself after I'd killed it time and time again. I started having dreams. Started seeing a glimpse of it on the wall in my bedroom. Climbing over the cereal boxes in the kitchen. Hanging in the corner, watching as I brushed my teeth before bed. I had Finn kill it one day, thinking maybe I was the problem. I could tell by the way he was looking at me that he was worried. I'd become almost frantic, fidgeting, always on the prowl for this spider. It didn't work, and the next day the spider reappeared. Kronos was outraged I'd even asked him to kill it, as if it were beneath him. I suppose going after this spider so doggedly was probably beneath me too, so I couldn't be angry at him. I never told the madam, because I think I knew what she'd say. Or perhaps it was some kind of sacred spider that only crawled out of storage once a year for some freedom before returning. Days after it had all began, I ended up trapping the spider in a jar. It used to hold coins. A mixture of discoloured and polished, worn and faded symbols. I tipped the contents into something else and brushed the spider into the glass. I felt bad as it tried to climb up the walls, scrambling to get out. Perhaps killing it was the kinder thing to do. I ended up sitting on the ground doing one of the aisles of the shop. Staring down at this spider in a jar on the floor with me. The shop was empty. Again. I missed Reed. Even though he never said much, he was just... there. He had a presence. He found interest in items in the shop. He played cards or chess with Kronos, bickered with Finn and I in equal measure. He was as much a part of the shop as any of us, and now he was gone, it felt emptier than it ever had. I'd been in the shop without him before, but I couldn't remember those days well. It was as if Reed had always been there somehow. Except, knew he wasn't he. And I fucking hated that. I'd tried to distract myself, with a spider, with the customers, with Finn, with anything else, just so I wouldn't wallow. But I'm tired of trying to pretend I'm no hurt that he just left. I know I let him go. I know it was the right thing to do. But after all of that time, did I really just imagine that we were close to being pals? Even though I didn't know much about him, his family, his background... I still knew him. How I'm convinced he actually liked bickering with Finn. 
or how he got secretly frustrated every time he lost to a creature that had no opposable thumbs, or how excited he got when he found something in the shop, or how arrogant he'd get whenever I didn't know something. I may have let him go, but I was hoping he'd come back. And he didn't. My eyes started to sting. That hot feeling you get when the world becomes blurry through the tears building in your eyes. I didn't hear the bell go. Something that's becoming a habit. I hear floorboards creak and presume it's Kronos or the Madam. Someone sits down opposite me, on the other side of the jar, and asks me what I'm doing. I recognise the tone, the voice, the frown that it said we. I can't kill this spider, I say to what I presume is a hallucination he read. Why kill it, he says. Why no just keep it around? It's no doing any harm. Reed reaches out and tips up the jar, and as I watch the spider crawl as fast as its legs will take it under the nearest set of drawers, I realise that my hallucination picked the jar up in the first place. He put it back on the floor between us. I resist the urge to reach out and pinch him. He stops me when I start to speak, saying that he has something he wants to say. He's frowning, as always, eyebrows drawn in, but he's not angry. His tone is steady, calm, as he tells me that I'd never asked him what he wanted. I'd assumed for him. I'd made the decision for him. He claimed he was pissed at me for that, and that's why he'd left, why he'd stayed away for weeks. He'd convinced himself that I didn't like him, and just wanted to get rid of him which he wasn't having. He offered to be my familiar again, to return everything to the way it was before. I refused. I didn't want what we had before, a connection that wasn't equal, one that I'd always wondered was the reason he was around. I told him that Finn was my familiar now and went to show him the dragon heed on the ring only to find there was no a foxy's heed there too. Madame Norna later explained that there's varying degrees for familiars. The connection can be like we had before, weighed heavily in my favour, or it can be like it was new, we both Finn and Reed. Equals, friends, allies. The ring nothing but a symbol, and in certain circumstances, a beacon in the dark. I never saw the spider after Reed returned. I'm still convinced it was the same spider returning day after day. Perhaps it learned its lesson after being trapped in a jar, a fate worse than death and resurrection. I'll never really know, and I didn't want to tell the madam in case I've been killing some kind of ancient deity or something worse. I think this one's best left unanswered. Just this once. Thank you for listening to The Antique Shop episode 21. Episode 22 will be released in two weeks' time. 
No outtakes this week. I've decided to replace it with a bit of an explanation. So this is a, a, a warning to those people or those listeners who are okay with not knowing what the spider is. So if you either don't care, <laughs> if, you do, if you don't give a shit, if you either don't care or are okay not knowing what the spider is, then you can skip this part. So this is the first explanation and hopefully the only explanation that I'll have to add at the end of episodes. But I felt like it was just a bit too clumsy to put in the actual episode itself. Because I know how I usually kind of explain things is that Madame Norna kind of explains them. and Because Maya hasn't told Madame Norna about it. Like there's not really, like nobody really knows apart from Madame Norna. So I'm going to step in as Madame Norna and explain to you what the spider was. So the spider is real. It's not a figment of her imagination per se, which obviously is kind of evident by the fact that Finn can kill it. So it is real. And I think to me, I think, I should know this considering I wrote it, but to me, the spider is meant to represent the um, emotions that Maya isn't allowing herself to deal with regarding Reed's departure. So she becomes so annoyed with the fact that she can't kill the spider because she also can't obviously get rid of the fact that she misses Reed and she's not really acknowledging that. So she gets so caught up and so obsessed over killing it because it's obviously serving, as she says in the episode, it's serving as a distraction from the fact that she's all by herself now, essentially. Yeah, so obviously Maya doesn't know that it's connected to her, which is why I couldn't have her telling the madam, because obviously madam, the madam would have told her the truth. Maya tells herself multiple times throughout the episode, and I think throughout the last few episodes since Reed actually left, that you know she did it for his own good, she did it for his sake. But I think by doing that, she kind of prevents herself by exploring or at least figuring out how sad she actually is that he left anyway. Because obviously she does say, say in this episode that he's always been around and then all of a sudden he's, he's not around. And she's not really wanting to deal with that. <laughs> So Reed has been around since the beginning, since she started, and everything she's learned, everything she's seen about this new world, you know, he's been there. Not really holding her hand, but I suppose it can kind of be a bit of hand-holding and that he's always there to explain to her, you know, he's he always kind of knows a bit more than she does about it. And he goes from being such a big part of her life and the shop's life to not being there at all. And as as she says in the episode, you know, she wanted him to choose to stay and then he didn't, which in hindsight might have been a bit cruel, actually, but hey. And yeah, obviously, because part of the reason that Maya let him go in the first place was because she thought that she was forcing him to stay against his will. And the fact that he just left without a word when she dismissed him kind of compounds that fear that she was just using him, essentially. And that he had to be there because of this familiar, because he was in danger, etc. So she spent weeks trying not to kind of get bogged down by this guilt that she had with regards to Reed and the kind of sadness that she has that he's not there anymore. And I suppose it is kind of loss. A very a very, a very strange kind of loss. Because <laughs> obviously Reed is not dead and she knows that, but he's still not in the shop all the time. The spider is meant to be a manifestation of these feelings that she has, like this loss and this kind of sense of guilt that she was... She was being cruel to him, essentially. And that's the reason that she can't kill it, or essentially the reason that it keeps coming back. Because the only way to solve a problem, um, or in this case, killing an immortal spider, is by acknowledging that there is a problem and working through it, which obviously Maya 
hasn't really done. She's refusing to kind of deal with this, these emotions that she's feeling and stuff like that, which I think we can all relate to. I know I definitely can relate to not wanting to deal with stuff, especially if it's, you know, sad or heavy or stressful. Bit of a bit of an emotional episode this week, actually. I don't know what got into me. <laughs> I quite liked it, actually. I quite liked it. It's a very simple episode, from, in my opinion. There's no customer. There's no magic item that, that ruins somebody's life. It's just quite a simple episode. It's just Maya refusing to deal with her, her problems like she always does. So yeah, I just thought I'd put this explanation in here because I understand there might be some listeners who are annoyed that I didn't actually explain what the spider was in the episode. I will try to avoid these explanations in the future because, as I said, it's not it's not great because it does pull you out of the story a wee bit. But I would be curious as to how many of you guessed or were close to kind of guessing what the spider actually was and how many of you were actually okay not having an explanation for it like would you have preferred me not to have explained what it was would you have been okay not knowing what it was I don't know I feel like in a story especially like this where obviously you're world building you kind of can't like it's always really annoying to me when I read somebody else's work or when I read something that something's not explained it's kind of like a loose thread and I really don't like that as people who will have listened to the macroway statements know I think I tied everything up in that one and so I feel like having something just loose isn't always like so having a kind of loose plot thread or a loose kind of theme is kind of not always that great. I would be curious to see how many of you wanted an explanation and how many of you didn't care that you were okay with it not being explained in the episode. As I said, I will try to avoid this. I don't, as I said, I don't like it. I did enjoy writing this one. As I said, a very emotional episode and I wasn't entirely sure I could write something with that kind of emotional range. But I think everyone knows what it's like to ignore a problem or ignore emotions until something kind of forces you to confront them. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end and I hope you tune in next time.